Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Board Side Sound Out Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shumlin. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. It is Andrew Ortega. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, UC Vegas 63, UC Vegas 64, as well as some MMA news. Before we get to that, I got a couple of sponsors to talk to you guys about. As always, we're brought to you by Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Code sound off at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. You know, I've kind of, I've kind of talked about them on the show. They're always very, very helpful with, uh, you know, getting, honestly getting a good workout in. I understand that's kind of like not their, their main thing, but they do sell that sort of stuff as well. So that's what I use it for. Uh, but like I said, holidays are coming up. If you want to get yourself some rogue energy or get someone you like some rogue energy, code sound off for 10% off. Other sponsors of the show, there's a new sponsor. This is Elixir. If you've been, guys have been wanting to get into the Delta 8, uh, market, you, you kind of wanted to try, but you're not really sure about it. Elixir.com is where you're wanting, if where is where you're going to want to go. They sell vapes, gummies, joints, and gels, among other things. Please check your local laws in order to ensure that you're in a state where Elixir can ship to you. And for fans of the Quartz Sound Podcast, Elixir is allowing 10% off with the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. I honestly use these gummies for sleep a lot of the time. I can personally tell you they are very high quality. You can go ahead and try it out yourself. With code sound off for ten percent off. Uh, normally we'll go ahead and start off with MMA, but instead we're going to go ahead and hit the biggest uh, event of the weekend. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva went down on Showtime pay per view last Saturday from the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, look, man, I think that of all the ways this fight could go, this is Jake Paul by unanimous decision is not the way that anybody saw it going. Uh, he ends up winning on the card 77-74, 78-73, 78-73. I think most people are kind of in agreement that those scorecards are terrible. However, outside of a couple of uh, upset MMA fans or people that are just dislike Jake Paul, there's not really any questions as to who won on Saturday. Uh, Jake, honestly, his team, his team had a great game plan. There were times where Anderson Silva was just styling on him. He was kind of showing the gap in boxing experience and boxing skill, especially whenever Anderson went on the offense. But there, what, what's, what was kind of like the second half of Anderson's career in the UFC? He just was not active enough. And in here, he had a lot of rounds where like he just let him slip away because he was not active enough. And Jake Paul used a good job landing to the body, even getting a knockdown in the eighth round to seal the fight. In the end, it's by far the most impressive win of his career. Also, the most entertaining fight of his career. But, Angel, we didn't get the result. How impressed were you by Jake Paul? And uh, give me your thoughts on the fight. Look, we had picked uh, – we both had picked Anderson. But the night of I, – and I've told you this now that when we were in the green room, I was telling you, hey, I'm not going to lie to you. The night of, I changed my mind, but I didn't want to switch the pick. You know what I mean? Mm. And it seemed and, – and from what you told me, it looked like you had some similar thoughts too. Obviously, there was some money at play for you, so that's why your mind was in a different place at the time. But it yeah. is what it is, right? Life happens. Uh, the result, though, I mean, it's, it's the right result. Let's not get it twisted. I had it 77-74, but I could have honestly given Anderson another round, which would have made it 76-75. So it was a, clo- it was a close bout, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it, but the, the knockdown ended up stealing the deal. And I even texted you before. I'm like, I could see this being either a Jake split. Maybe even like a questionable draw, and then the knockdown happened. I'm like, oh, this is Jake's, you know, this is Jake's. Yeah. Match. No, no, it's, it's his fight. 
And, uh, like you said, probably the most entertaining, uh, bout in Jake's, uh, in his time of boxing. Uh, and, uh, for Anderson, another stellar, another stellar and fun and entertaining, entertaining, uh, match out of him, man. What could you ask out of a legend? I mean, continuing to do legend shit at his advanced age is looking good. I mean, you gotta, I think we gotta give a lot of credit to, to the man who, in a way, really made this event be as big as it could be. And it's no disrespect to Jake, but, a legend like Anderson Silva, you know, decided to take him on and, and looking the way he did and, and, and have, and looking great was, I mean, that was honestly amazing. And, uh, and I mean, and look, in, in the end, the result didn't go his way. We knew that was a possibility. Jake ended up getting a nice little victory. The MMA community could be as mad as they want to be, but there's no question about it. Jake Paul won that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I kind of, I had the scoring uh, different than you. I had the fight 4 4, but obviously Jake with the knockdown ended up you know, winning on my scorecard. Um, you can find four rounds for Anderson. I don't think you can find five. I think this is a pretty, honestly, this is a pretty clear case of like, there's like a wide range of scores you can like get for this fight. You know what I mean? I think that you can give, I think you can give Jake, honestly, like, multi, like obviously rounds one, rounds eight, clear for Jake, I thought. Rounds four, and I believe, there was one other clear Anderson round. I can't remember which round it was, but there were a couple of clear rounds for Anderson. But outside of that, it was like Jake was kind of pot shotting, and then Anderson would flurry within the last forty-five seconds. Very, yeah, very a, close yep. rounds. Yeah, yep. a very, very close round there. So if you want to give Anderson four rounds, sure. I don't think you can give him five, and if you do, you're being very, very lenient. Uh, if you give I, I thought the the judging was pretty wide, but honestly, like it didn't really matter. They got the right result. Uh, look, man, I gotta admit, I was I, I'm, I've been very very clear about the fact that I've not like I, I've enjoyed the Jake Paul saga so far, but I've never really liked the fact that like he does kind of pick on you know smaller, older, out of their prime, out of his weight class fighters. This is the first time where he kind of stepped up. And Anderson's 47, yes, but he has experience of a pro boxer. He's won professional boxing matches. Um, Jake's probably bigger in terms of weight, but barely. I mean, they met in the middle of 187. Anderson fights at 185. Jake fall, fights at 190, although he said he's trying to go down in weight. They met in the middle, 187. He beat him. No complaints. Like, you can't really – you can't say anything bad about this win. That's just that – for at, for Jake's skill set, where he's at, that was super impressive. They, I don't – it was interesting. I walked around this, walked away from this fight. I did not feel like Jake Paul was the better boxer, but I'll tell you what, he had a great game plan, and that kid has a dog in him. Like, there were many times that he was getting caught clean. Whenever Anderson honestly threw combinations, he was throwing big, big combinations. He was landing most of those punches, but Jake fought on. He landed some huge uppercuts. uppercuts. Jake fought on. So, just overall, a super impressive win for him. Now we kind of move forward, and this is where I don't like things. Um, after the fight, uh, Jake calls out Nate Diaz and Canelo again. Um, <laughs> I wish he called out both of them after his win over Woodley, too, but regardless. Um, Nate and him got into an altercation. Not him, Nate and him, but Nate got into an altercation with somebody from Jake's team backstage after Chris Avila, who we'll talk about later, got a win. Um, look, man, give me your interest level in that fight. i got to be honest with you, it's... In, I, I don't give a flying fuck about that fight. That yeah. fight is not appetizing would, to me in the slightest. Would you be more interested in Uriah Hall versus Jake Paul? Yes. Do you think Uriah has a good chance? No. I'd give Uriah probably like a 20% chance of beating Jake. I'd give Nate a 
single five, digit, five percent, five percent chance, probably. I mean, I, I think the reality is that Nate Nate is fat at one seventy, not fat necessarily, but he's out of his his he's carrying too much weight at one seventy. He's a one fifty fiver. He's gonna fight Jacob at one eighty five, one ninety. I mean, like, and I doubt they'll want to push it down to like one eighty. That's a fat weight cut for Jake. Yeah, I mean, and Nate's never boxed before. He's older. It just feels like such a... But Josh, he's hard with Andre Ward. Here's the thing, is Nate probably would have been a good boxer 10 years ago. Not even, maybe not even 10, six years ago. But he's been out of his prime for probably three years now, four years now. Hasn't won a fight since 2019. Well, excuse me, he just beat Tony. But prior to that, he hadn't won a fight since 2019. Had he fought Hans he would have gotten annihilated, so... Kind of got a bit lucky. Finish, man. Yeah, I mean, like, like that at least. Yeah. So yeah, man. I mean, like, am I crazy here? I mean, do you have any interest in that one? Like, like not a lot. Like somewhat, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, I really don't know what the next thing for Jake is, right? I mean, it's it's all kind of because he's in that position where he needs to fight, and you you said it earlier, where he needs to fight like somewhat relevant, like important names in some capacity, have power behind him or some draw behind him, but still, obviously, for Jake and him competitive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, because I'd honestly rather see Jake versus... Oh my god, you're gonna say it. I'd rather see Jake versus Tommy Fury or yeah, KSI. I do it. I do it. I'd rather... I'm just saying, from a competitive standpoint, I think both... Even Jake, like Jake versus Tommy Fury, Jake versus KSI, Jake versus... I mean, I don't even know who would... Uriah Hall... I mean, I feel like the Nate Diaz fight, it, it's not interesting in the slide. I understand why they're doing it, because it would make money. But even the betting odds have come out, and it's like Jake's like a 3-1 to one favorite, and that, like, it's definitely going to rise. I just don't see it even being very competitive. I mean, we apparently there's some interest in the Tommy fight. Uh, but it's crazy, because I feel like a lot of guys who've been keeping up, and especially the MMA community, are not interested in that. Tommy Fury fight at all. Yeah. Well, because they have no vested interest in Tommy Fury. And I think most people think Tommy Fury is kind of a kind of a joke in a way because he comes with this legendary family. His brother is a, is a champion. And I don't know if he's – I don't know if he shares any relation to Huey Fury. I don't know if they have the same – I don't really know a whole lot about their association, but, like, there's another Fury out there that's, like, a world championship contender. Like, and then it's just Tommy Fury. Like, like – He's there. He's undefeated, sure, but, like, you know, we know he has one foot in, one foot out of boxing. That's just kind of how it is, you know? So he's kind of a joke in that aspect, and he's pulled out twice, although granted one of those wasn't his fault. But, yeah, like I said, dude, it, I'd much rather see the Tommy fight. I'd rather see the KSI fight, Uriah Hall. I feel like Uriah, we'll talk about Uriah in a minute, but um, I thought he did a good job on Saturday of getting himself into that conversation, not as, like, a leading contender, but, like, as a backup guy. Where, like, if something happens with Nate... Like maybe he'll get the call, and I gotta be honest with you, man. I actually got a I got a gut feeling that he will not fight Nate Diaz next. Oh, I, I'm on the same boat. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna go ahead and happen. Um, just by virtue of the fact that right now, Nate is still within his 90 day clause, I believe. Uh, because UFC, there are a couple of contract things that they're able to do. They Never do these, but they reserve the right to be the sole person you can negotiate with for 90 days 
And then for a year after that point, they can match any contract offer. So I think there's a very good possibility that they'll either end up matching whatever offer Jake gives to Nate, or they'll just wait out their year, the year exclusivity period, and Jake won't be able to fight him until next December or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but since so I'm glad that you agree with me, so that asks the question: Who will Jake Paul fight next? I mean, it's probably a toss-up between. I mean, Tommy Fury is still the big one, right? I mean, there's there's history there. Uh, see, we talked about JJ because they've been going back and forth. They've been talking about doing it at what the. They didn't even talk. Didn't they even talk potentially about a stadium show between them two? They, they said they said Wembley next year. Which I mean, is it impossible? No, it's not at all. They can probably even even if they want to like tarp off sections, I feel like they could sell probably seventy thousand. They could sell pretty well. Yeah. I mean, with that, I mean the if they get the right promotion, I mean it'd be it'd be a I mean, be a, it would have to be some sort of crow promotion thing, right? Yeah, because KSI is with the Zone and Jake is with Showtime. Which I mean, m- monsters in boxing, right? I mean, let's let's be honest, right? Like they 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 would market this very well. Yeah, and then they would have to build a banger of an undercard, which would get a fans going. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think the KSI fight will happen next. I, my prediction is that fight probably happens next summer. I think yeah. next summer in Wembley. You think there's still hope for that? I don't know. I feel like we need to see JJ one more time, which, I mean, apparently we're going to see JJ again. We don't know when. There's in January. Been, but there's been no rumblings. There's, we should have got some sort of announcement by now. I mean, we're we're only two months away now. That's true. That is true. I feel like I heard something maybe he was, he's going to announce it soon, within the next month or so. But I don't know. Um yeah, man, I I got a I got a I got a feeling that he's not gonna fight Nate next. I don't think he'll fight KSI next. But I think KSI will probably end up fighting in January, just considering they said that's the plan for so long. I feel like they know who the opponent is. They just haven't announced yet, or they have like they're deep in negotiations with somebody. I feel like. I wonder if it um, be though. It has to be someone relevant. I mean, it could just be Wasabi again, honestly. Oh, you think they were trying to do that? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I know that they went ahead and said that like he's never gonna fight him. And yada yada yada, but um, I don't know, man. We, we'll see. I mean, there's no clear option. It's you know, it's hard to predict these things with these guys who aren't you know pros. Like like they're pros, but not like yeah, world title chasing pros. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know who who it's gonna be. Um, the mystery. We're we're definitely gonna have to keep our eyes uh, eyes and ears open and make sure that. <laughs> You know, we, we we stay on top of it. I mean, I think Tommy Fury is always going to be an option, right? Because I think to an extent, I mean, the history will always be there. Yeah, I think he, here's my prediction: he'll either fight Uriah Hall or fight Tommy Fury next. And I, Jake said he wants to be active. That's part of why I'm saying that. If if he just wanted to like, if he were just in it for like the money, he didn't really give a shit. I could see him waiting. Well, the thing is, bit. also he's he's main eventing everything, so I I don't know if they would want to do Uriah this time because he's going from Anderson Silva, legend, former champ, and no hate to Uriah, but then to Uriah Hall, who was good, or you know, is is still good. Let's not say was, it's still good, but not ha- doesn't have a world champion, you know, you know, achievement under his belt and stuff like that, like where like at least Tyron and, and Anderson did, and obviously Anderson has legend status. Mm-hmm. 
By the way, one quick thing. The rumor is is that KSI will uh he's gonna box Joe Fournier. Wow. That's, yeah, that's the rumor. Oh, uh, Joe wasn't bad. No, he's not. He's not bad at all. He's pretty good. He's, I mean, until his homie started seeing off on him, who was a yeah. He's, I mean, he's undefeated technically because I think the hay fight was an exhibition. So I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think KSI's bigger than him. So, you know, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like if, if Jake wants to be active. And wait, so let's time to move on to Uriah Hall because I mentioned him being a guy that could fight Jake next. He was one of the guys that opened up the card. He beat Le'Veon Bell. Now I thought Le'Veon did pretty good for his like where he's at, and I I, I said that going in. I thought people were going to be surprised. He landed some clean shots. He had a he had a pretty good game plan of trying to slow down Uriah with that jab to the body. Um, it's just Uriah Hall when he moved forward and started throwing punches. He landed heavy, dude. Like, he landed some huge shots. Le'Veon Bell has a chin on him. I mean, credit to, uh, credit to Le'Veon, too, because you're right. even complimenting. He's like, he hit me pretty fucking hard. That, that right hand, I believe, at the end of the third round, wobbled your eye. He landed that. Le, uh, Le'Veon went to the body with a jab, and then came over the top with the right. Your eye didn't see it coming, and he tagged him. That was that was a, probably the biggest moment of the fight, or one of the biggest moments. I, I remember that. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. But Uriah wins on the cards pretty easy. I believe he, I think, uh, Le'Veon maybe won one round, but that's about it. Um, he moves one and oh as a pro boxer, and then he sa- and then he gets on the mic. He says, if Anderson doesn't do it, Jake Paul, I'm going to fuck you up. And I thought he had a good call out. Uriah yeah. Hall could be a pretty scary guy, but he wants to be. I thought he did a good job, not at becoming like a leader. In the Jake Paul discussion, but he's putting his name out there and he's doing the right things he needs to. Uh, he won on the undercard, undercard had an entertaining, I thought it was an entertaining fight. People hated it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was alright, you know, it was, it, you know, it had its moments. It wasn't crazy, but it wasn't bad either, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good but, way to put it. Yeah, he did a good job getting himself out there. I mean, what do you think of his performance and ultimately his call out? Do you give him any shot of, uh, possibly securing that bag and getting the Jake Paul fight? I mean, let me tell you this. It was a bit rough. It was a bit rough around the edges. I think he'll clean it up with time, right? Though I mean, it's his first camp, short notice, you know. And you know, he probably—I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm sure he prepared, and he'll say he prepared well. But I'm sure he didn't prepare thinking, "Oh, Le'Veon Bell is gonna," you know, because I could tell visibly he seemed kind of like, oh, "Is this motherfucker still here?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there was a moment in there, I, I told you, I was like, it looks, I feel like he's kind of surprised that it's th- this hard. Like, I felt like he almost seemed like, why haven't I gotten him out of here? Why is he not going down? Or, or something like that kind of clicked in his head at one point. Because he seemed somewhat visibly, I don't know, frustrated or confused, but it, it seemed like something, he felt something wasn't going his way to an extent. He wasn't checked out. Hmm. I, I think what I said to you, I think he thought it was going to be easier. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, most people did. I mean, Uriah was a huge favorite. I think he was the biggest favorite on the card. I think he was like a minus 500 or something crazy like that. Like, he was a very big favorite. And most people I saw were talking about it. They expected Uriah to run over, and I'm sure he expected that too. But I told people, I'm like, Le'Veon is not – he's trained for years. And he's not been an active fighter. But I'm sure he was going to come in with a good game plan. He did, and he did some some good stuff. Like I said, I mean, I didn't pick him to win, but I thought, like, you know, he could do some good things, and he ultimately did, you know. Um, good good, good win for Uriah. We'll see what happens next with, with him and 
possibly Jake. I don't I don't expect him to get the fight next, but like I said, who knows? I mean, I, I feel like right now, and he, everything's up in the air in regards to Jake. So I feel like he, everything else past this point is just house money, like beating Anderson Silva. Like you're you're just playing with house money at that point. So we'll see what happens. Um, but time to move to the opening fight on the card. Chris Avila, Doctor Mike, dude, this, this fight was weird. This was. Weird to me. Uh, Dr. Mike came out. I thought he looked good early. He was, uh, peppering, uh, Avila with some shots. He was, he was, he was sitting down on a couple of them, but he was landing them clean, but he was kind of just going for like more of an activity approach. He wasn't literally sitting down much. I was like, oh, was he, is he trying to like, I mean, is he, is he just trying to make sure he doesn't gas out or what? Well, he did gas out. Uh, and then he just had Chris Avila coming at him for three rounds straight and he took some bombs, man. Like this was, this is hard to watch at times in the fourth round. Uh, what do you think about the fight, man? It was rough, man. It was rough. Uh, by the way, uh, Chris Avila like pushing uh, Doctor Mike at the at the, uh, at the faceoff. You know, a lot of times you're like, "Yeah, that was a nec- that was probably the most unnecessary push ever in a faceoff I've ever seen." Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think Avila was just trying to hype it up, and I thought he did a good job because I, I think I think maybe Avila was just irritated with because uh, I feel like Doctor Mike got a lot of love from the people during fight week, and I felt like Avila was kind of just like a guy out there, you know what I mean? And I think he probably took that out on because he fought determined man. I mean, for as much as you know, Chris Avila is like an interesting guy. He's a good interview. He comes to scrap, but he's never really shown any trademarks to being, like, coming out of the DS camp. Like, his jiu-jitsu never looked great. His strikes never looked great. He's not very active. His gas tanks never looked great. But it seems like, dude, obviously he was facing a guy who's only 1-0 as an amateur boxer. And I understand that Dr. Mike's apparently been doing this for a while, but, like, he showed the levels, dude. Like, he was landing at will. He was landing huge shots. Interesting that it does show to me that, uh, like, weight classes matter, man. Like, Chris Avila normally fights at 145, and uh, Dr. Mike, like, had to cut down to 187 or whatever. Like, and Avila weighed, like, 180, and he beat the shit out of him, but he couldn't even knock him down. So, very interesting. But, yeah, man, solid win by him. Any other thoughts on this uh, card in general before we move on to UFC? Uh, Nothing in specific, man. I mean, it ended up being kind of what I expected in a way, like as a whole. Mm. I don't think I come out with a lot of surprises, but uh, credit to everybody. I mean, good performances all around, entertaining as hell. I just really want to know what's next for Jake. I feel like this is we, – we kind of had this conversation before, like who, what way does he go? Is there a clear path? But we kind of had more names in mind. We're here. I feel like we really don't have a lot of names in mind at all. Mm-hmm. Just and it, honestly, it's interesting because there's only the one name, and it's it's really just Nate. But like, and I Tommy, don't, yeah, and Tommy. But I feel like most people don't know about the fact that like Nate has that issue with the con. Not his, not that specific issue because that's like UFC can enforce that on anybody. They just rarely choose to. So that's what makes things interesting. And I'm like, there's a very good chance that Nate stays in the UFC. Like, I'm, they, I'm surprised they want to keep Nate so badly. Because he's such a huge name, and I think they're aware that like every time one of their guys, either maybe they believe this. I mean, I've I, I'm I've frankly always been in the middle on this subject. They think it probably just makes the UFC look bad whenever Jake Paul knocks out or beats their like former legends, you know. 
I don't think it's a big deal, but in some people's eyes, they probably make it. They probably think it makes the UFC look bad. I'm sure that's probably what the UFC thinks as well. That's probably the only reason they'd match it. Plus, he's just such a huge star, and keeping him around for that Connor fight would be huge. The Connor trilogy. So, yeah, yeah we'll see what happens, man. But uh, time to move on to UFC. UC Vegas 63 did go down from the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada last Saturday. Uh, started a little bit early, as it, it seems like, because they didn't want to compete with the J-Card. Um, this one, pretty solid night of fights, man. In the main events, um, Arnold Allen gets the biggest win of his career by TKO, uh, defeating Calvin Cater, second round TKO. Uh, Calvin hurt his knee in the final 30 seconds of round one. He went for a flying knee, and it looks like he just landed awkwardly. And then Arnold Allen swarmed him. Cater did good to get out of the round. Round two, Arnold Allen came and started chopping away the leg, ended up getting the TKO win. Biggest win of his career? What'd you think? I mean, look, for the little bit we got to see, I thought Arnold looked great. I thought he was doing some good stuff. Obviously, the injury occurred, and it kind of, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, right? You never want to see fights end because of injuries, because it's, and look, there's, in a way, I heard someone say this, in a way, uh, uh Arnold's movement caused the injury, you know, because he got it out of the way, and yeah. the way, you know, and it caused, you know, it caused it to happen, and the way he landed and all that, but, Look, it's it's one of those um, you know there was nothing that could have been done to stop it you know mm-hmm. it sucks but I mean I guess good for Arnold obviously sucks for him I thought he looked good for the little bit we got to see it looked like he, he had the right idea and he capitalized on moments and capitalized on the injury mm-hmm. yeah same page same page I thought he looked good prior to the injury and obviously he ended up getting the finish moving forward what do you think is next for Arnold Allen man the featherweight division's in a very very strange place. Um, to put it lightly, uh, obviously we have our guy Volkan obviously moving up to challenge Islam Makachev. Josh Emmett's coming off a win. He wants a title shot. I think, well, he has a lengthy winning streak, but a couple of those fights have like, you know, he, he's, he's been inactive due to injuries. He's had a lot going on. And then his last fight was a, a very controversial win over Calvicator. Yari Rodriguez, similar situation, not very active, only has a one fight winning streak, and that win was over and injured Brian Ortega. I mean, this division's in a really weird place. I don't want to say bad, but in just kind of a weird place right now. What do you think is next for all that? Do you think he's done enough to deserve a title shot? Uh, he's, he's a, it's a tough spot, man, because he obviously hasn't gotten to beat a lot of the top guys yet. Um, and look, he's he's well deserving of having some sort of opportunity against some big name. I think the the division needs to have an interim title. Volk is going to be gone because one, he's not going to defend the title next. He's going to fight for another title, and he's going to be out after that fight. So he'll be out for most of next year, I'm assuming. And then he has to do a camp after that. So we probably won't be seeing Volk until late next year, back at 145. Mm-hmm. So I think in that time, they should make an interim title. My only issue is I feel like the three main guys are Yair, Josh Shemmett, Arnold Allen. I almost hope in a way Arnold and Yair fight because they're both coming off injury wins. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, one of those guys fights Josh Shemmett, interim title. That does make sense. That does make sense. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot that has to happen there, mm-hmm. but I feel like, one, the matchmaker's great there. Yeah, you're an action guy. Arnold Allen, you know, on a crazy win streak. Obviously, Josh Emmett has to wait. Unless I just want to do a straight-up Josh Emmett, yeah, you're now, and then Arnold Allen. But it's it's kind of weird because it, it – are they going to defend the interim title? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's it's, uh, it's a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally feel like 
I think should rather they should probably just do Arnold Allen versus um, Emmett. Honestly, I mean, I understand that like Yair deserves credit in in, in some regard for his win over Ortega, and he deserves some credit for testing Max. But one that does a win does an injury stoppage win deserve even an interim title shot over a guy who's you know Josh I mean, what a five fight winning streak Arnold Allen. What's he's up to like a crazy number at this point. Like I think it's like ten. Something yeah, like ten that. fight win. So you're telling me that one injury victory? Like I don't, I don't get that. I think they should do an interim title, but I don't see why Yair is a part of it whatsoever. Uh, by the way, I want to clarify: ten, ten in the UFC, twelve with his two fires, two fights prior to coming to the UFC. There you go. You know, um, yeah, I don't see in any regard why Yair, yeah, why Yair is a part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, they should just do – I think it's kind of stupid because Dana said, like, they're not going to do an intertitle, but they lie all the time. If they it, need it, – It doesn't make sense. I mean, Volk's not going to fight at 145 until very late next year, and that's a – Yeah, it's kind of funny because this is, like, the only time where it – like, not the only time. And he's fine with it. He's perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Which adds complete justification. He's actually said that, like, he'd kind of like it because it would give a storyline. It would make people intrigued that there'd be another champion – it would cement a number one contender for him. Dana's like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, like I, I, I expect for idiotic. Like, if we be honest, I, I think this is one of the most like comfortable situations where interim title makes the most sense. And we've talked about this before on the show. Yeah, I just it's just so bizarre because we when's he gonna? I mean, he won't even be back until probably a year from now. Like that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because I mean they they said that they want to do the fight in February in Perth, but that's okay. a really quick turnaround for Makachev and. Who knows if Makachev is down though, and he needs to do it before Ramadan. Well, yeah, he 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 says he's down. People say shit all the time. Like, well, let's, <laughs> but, but I tell you, let's say you know the, the the set they fight in Perth, yeah. whatever, right? February goes down. Okay, hypothetically, win or lose, I mean, it's still going to be what like a, a, a few months after that of a break, mm-hmm. which would lead into what what do we want to say? March, April, May, around like you know after it would take more yeah. than March and April to recover. May they talk about it. I'm sure they start talking about it. You know, fight camp goes down. I mean, until like late next year. Like we're talking, yeah, August. You know, September type around time. Maybe July. Who knows, right? I mean, it depends a lot. There's no injuries, no nothing like that. And then if the other guy of the interim title would be ready to at that mm-hmm. time, which is another thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And whenever they would do the interim fight. Next year, like that's there's a lot to it. So that's what I'm saying. It makes they have to make one. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and the UFC always jumps on board with doing this sort of thing normally. So it's kind of strange that they're like, nah, man, like we. And I, I honestly do think that there will be an interim title. I just don't think they've, you know, started that process yet. I think there will be an interim title. Let's be honest, dude. Like the UFC struggles to find good pay per view headliners as it is like just by virtue of like champions not being the most active so i think they're gonna throw an interim title to, to someone I, I think either alan yair or emmett some variation of those three will be fighting for gold uh and i expect that to happen early next year and i'd be down for it but it's probably a bit time to go ahead and move on to the co-main events which was a banger uh max griffin defeating tin means split decision some reason. Uh, 29, 28, 28, 29, 30, 27 being the scorecards. I thought it was a pretty clear win for Max Griffin. Um, 
I said it last week, I think he's kind of in that space right now where he knows he's getting older. He's maximizing his potential. He's trying to make one last run at it while they still can. And he moves to four out of uh, five, one for his last five fights. That one loss being a split decision in No Magni. What do you think about the win? What do you think about the scorecards as well? You know, this was an interesting one for me. You know, I thought Tim Means did some solid stuff off his off his back as being offensive. Uh, you know, I'm not going to fight for this one. I'm not going to die on the sword for this one. But I, I did feel some type of way about it, but I'm not going to argue for it a lot, you know. You thought Tim Means won? No, not not necessarily. I just thought he had, I don't know. I, I feel like there's somewhat of an argument, but I'm not going to argue that Tim Means won the fight. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, I, 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 I just, it, it's not one of those things I'm going to fight for. Not not in this situation. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I thought Tim Means did some good work. I just thought that uh, Max clearly deserved the win. Um, yeah, man, I mean, solid, very solid fight, though, in terms of just being an entertaining fight. I thought it was a lot of fun. And um, ultimately, like I said earlier, he's been a four out of his last five. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to get a big fight next, man. I mean, he's a guy that's 36 years old. He's been in the UFC for six, going on seven years now. And I think he's he's putting it all together in a way that's being very entertaining. So we'll see what happens next with Max Graven. Tim Means, the dirty bird will be around long after we're all dead. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that's just, in the UFC forever. I mean, he's only he's been in the UFC since 2012. Yeah, 2012. He left for a little bit, then came back. So going on 10 years, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down. I understand he lost to Kevin Holland, but that fight was fun. This one was a split decision and also a very fun fight. So I'm not worried about 10 means. Um, but as far as the rest of the card goes, man, what are some fights you most wanted to talk about? I mean, we got to talk about it, Josh. Trey Sean Gore with a submission win over Josh yeah. Fremd. I mean, I, I told you. I was like, come on, Josh. You know, kind of. Gotta gotta give my man some credit, and I knew he'd be back. I'm happy he he brought it back hard with a big win, a submission, nevertheless too. Because that uh, Cody Runners loss was was rough, man. I mean, he got he got finished in it. It, it was uh, hard to yeah. see. It is able to see. Yeah, we like the guy a lot. He's he's one and two in the UFC now, but he just got a big win, which he needed because he definitely didn't want to go zero and three in the promotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, good good for the 28 year old out of, out of South Carolina. I love his story. He's he's always a great. Uh, interview and i feel like a lot of people like him a lot mm. yeah i mean i like i like Trishon. that was not really a question but i did think he was gonna lose this one but this was a very solid performance by him and uh yeah getting back in the win column was huge because if you lost this one probably gonna be cut so um and you got a little bonus too so must feel pretty happy about that yeah exactly so i'm happy that he went ahead and was able to go ahead and pick up a win here um also happening on the main card uh, gotta go and get your thoughts on this one. Uh, Khalil Roundtree defeating Justin Jacoby by split decision. 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. 29-28. Very controversial one here. Uh, most people seem to believe that Justin Jacoby earn, uh, earned the win. In the end, he ends up losing his, uh, his lengthy win streak. One of the low, like low key lengthy win streaks going on in the UFC. And probably gonna lose his ranking as well. So, uh, what do you think about this one? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> As of right now, he's not lost his ranking because he's still, apparently, as of right now, still ranked 13th. No, well. Yeah, apparently the UFC didn't think that he lost that either. I thought he won the fight. I thought that was, that that one was a very puzzling one to me. I thought he won the first two rounds, lost the last one. Um, I'm not gonna, I mean, and, and I'm not gonna, I don't know, man. This is, uh, I, I think the judges really dropped the ball on this one. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought this was a bad decision. Um, Only one person got it right, and it's Ron McCarthy, a.k.a. Big John's son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty, pretty bad decision. Um, yeah, man, I don't got too many thoughts on it. I mean, it's just, we have, I feel like, one bad decision a week, and this is the bad decision of the week. I got, I feel really bad for Justin Jacoby. Um, this is a guy that is 34. He was making a run at it. <clears throat> Never seemed to get respect from the UC. He had to put together like a, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, a seven, five unbeaten streak just to be ranked at the bottom half of 205, which is one of the worst divisions of the UFC. They just never gave him respect. Now he loses by the split decision. It's just, it's frustrating. He will be back though. And, uh, hope to see him get a big matchup next. Um, on the undercard, dude, uh, Roman Dedalese killed Phil Hawes. And Bro, <laughs> just, I can't, I can't believe, uh, look, I, I saw that Phil was the favorite. I'm like, dude, Roman Dedalese, guys, like, come on. Like, yeah. Like, and I'm not saying, no disrespect to Phil Hawes, but I was, I saw a lot of people picking Phil. I think he was the favorite on a few, uh, like, pick sites that I go on. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think this is going to go well for Phil Hawes. I didn't know it would go like that, though. <laughs> don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But, uh, very impressive win there. Nice finish out of him. Yeah, man. It was uh, it was very surprising. Um, not in terms of you know Roman Dulce winning, but him just murdering Phil Hawes was surprising. Um, Phil Hawes is a very good fighter, but he's still in that he's still in such a weird place, man. And I don't know if he's ever gonna figure it out because he's 33 now. So we'll see what happens, man. But yeah, overall, solid win by him. Uh, Roman, I mean, and uh, another big fight that, like, I didn't see anybody talking about was Marcos Rogerio de Lima taking on Andre Arlovsky. Arlovsky, on, like, a super low-key four-fight winning streak, just keeps on winning fights, and uh, he probably should have lost, lost to Jake Collier, but he probably should have beaten Augusto Sakai and Walt Harris on the card. So, I mean, <laughs> he's had some bad decisions over the last few years as well, going in the opposite direction. This one did not leave in the scorecards. Uh, Marcus Jerry Dolima drops him gets the sub in round one. Got to figure out for Arlovsky, but I'm sure he'll be back. What do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, <laughs> by the way, Arlovsky's only third submission lost in his whole fight career. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean he's 43. He's older, man. I mean, look, he, he's bound to get caught, and, you know, he snuck one out in the Jock, Jake Collier fight. Uh, I don't think he was a favorite going into this one. I knew that it was a possibility he could lose a uh, Marcus Rogerio de Lima. And, uh, you know, I was like a lot of Josh kind of, kind of hoping for our last to get another one. Keep it going, baby. But I know. I, I, I knew it could only last so long, man. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, he's been having this incredible Cinderella run. I mean, I understand, like, he's not getting, like, a title shot or anything. But he said, like, like, for the last year or two since he's been on this win streak, he's like, yeah, like, I know that it doesn't seem realistic, but I'm still fighting for gold, man. I'm not going anywhere. And then you just kept on winning fights, and you're like, oh, shit, Arlovsky's he's still hanging around, man. I mean, like, what? Like, he had the four-fight winning streak and, like, won six of his last. I went with the one loss being to Aspinall. I mean, he's doing some crazy shit, man. And uh, it sucks that, that he lost here, but I think he'll be back. I think he's one of those USC lifers. At least I hope he is. Um, it'd be a damn shame to see him cut. But, yeah, By man. The way, I mean, yeah, I go ahead. The math real quick. How many fights do you think Andre has in the UFC alone? Do I think he has? Yeah, how many fights do you think he has? In the UFC, Wins just or the just UFC. fights? Just total fights in the UFC. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go, like, this is just a guess. 42? He's at 39. Damn. Okay. That's a Close lot. Up. 
That's a lot of fights in the UFC. Yeah, that is. That is. Although he's done an incredible job. He took so much damage in the first half of his career. But, like, the last, I don't know, ten fights, he hasn't really taken much damage at all. He's, so. Yeah, he's not he's not getting blasted out of there, which is which is a nice thing to see, especially at heavyweight, where, where it could happen, like, very regularly. Yeah, exactly. So he's doing a good job in terms of um, avoiding taking big damage. But, yeah, that sucked to see. But solid win by Marcus Ogero de Lima. He's a guy that's older, but, like, I think he doesn't really get the credit he deserves for being, like, a really entertaining guy. Like, he's been in the UFC since 2014. He's gone to decision three times from what he can see. So, yeah, fun dude, fun dude. Um, also under card, we got to go and talk about our boy Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper loses by first-round TKO to Steve Garcia. Uh, the first real time that we've seen Chase Hooper get just fucked up. Like, I feel like we see that happen to most fighters at some point in their career. This was his time. Um, most people online kind of losing their minds about this one, about how rough it was and what is chase for the UFC. Uh, what do you think, man? I mean, I, I thought the, the, the reaction to this fight was a bit over, over the top. I thought he just went out there and got caught earlier, but he's coming off of, I mean, he knocked out Felipe Corrales in, in May. So I thought it was a bit of an overreaction to this one, but what do you personally think? I mean, it was rough, man, obviously, but look. He is uh, far from a complete product, I think. I mean, that that is a, a fact. And he's 20 years young. He just started filling out his frame again. I feel like he's still not even done with it. I don't know if – I don't necessarily think he's going to grow more, but he's not fully a man yet, which is – I mean, that's just a fact. And we've seen it. We were talking before the podcast about guys who came into your series like Charles Oliveira, Max Holloway, and we saw how the start of their careers went and how uh, where they're at now. I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, Chase has, a, I think Chase has like 18 fights. Like if you include his amateur fights, I mean, he's, he's fought a lot mm-hmm. for a young guy. And obviously the level and everything, all that. And look, he's won at this level. He's one of the UFCs. So he's definitely somewhat UFC cap. He's three and three. Not bad for a 23 year old. Look, everybody's different. Not everybody could be fucking Muhammad Makayev. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And everybody's going to have a different road there. Uh, and obviously, like I said, his build, too, is another thing. He just started filling out. I think he needs to improve his striking a lot still. But look, he, even uh, Steve Garcia said it. Me machine himself. He's like, he did tag me up there a little bit. So it's just like patching up, working. I mean, this is a – the one thing about this sport, Josh, that I think doesn't get talked about enough is that you're always learning. Mm-hmm. You're always learning. You're always learning about situations. you got to think about your positions in wrestling, positions in jiu-jitsu, positions against the cage, stand-up exchanges. All of that, it's always you're always learning. I think that's the one beautiful thing about MMA that guys are always having to evolve and grow. Those who choose to, right? There's always the guys who just come out and fucking bang, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they just grow. They just roll with it. Whatever they have to deal with, they'll they do it. But but it, it's really one of the. I don't think people realize how much thinking goes into fighting, and it's quick thinking. Mm-hmm. But uh, just give him time. He's gonna take time off. I mean, there's nothing with him taking. There's nothing wrong with him taking off. Most of the year right now at this point in his career, he's in the UFC. And granted, money's a thing, right? So we don't know about his financials and all that. I mean, that's that's obviously a different question. I mean, if he has to fight, he'll have to fight. But I mean, he's learning on the job still, you know. And that's that's part of the process. And I think that's where the things in MMA that, you, especially if you're a young guy in the UFC, you're probably going to always be in that learning process. And there's guys who older guys who might have smaller records than you who could be fucking monsters that you don't expect. And it's not like they're throwing him at the wolves. They're kind of keeping him still like at a good level, matching him up pretty well. They're they're doing the right thing. I, I still believe. But I mean, he did have some rough fights in there, like Alex Caceres. I mean, and that's during the Alex Caceres run leading up to getting ranked. You know, so yeah, 
he did get a little unlucky there, but after that he got a win over Peter Barnett, a heel hook. Uh, the Steven Peterson was, was rough, but he got he out of there. He just missed weight though and fought a little bit dirty in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, fought a little bit dirty. Touch, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, you know, there was, there was a lot to it. It did chase a really nice kid, so it was kind of like, damn, why are you being kind of a douche, but. That's who he is though. That's who he is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys paid any attention to him. I don't know why you would, it's Steven Peterson, but and, yeah, it's just, just how he is. And, and, and Chase has been active, you know, he fought, yeah. like, he fought two times in 2020 regardless of COVID, he fought two times last year, he's fought two times this year, he's going to fight again next year, so. Yeah. He's far from the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you wouldn't put it like that. Yeah, I thought the, I thought there was such a huge overreaction. I mean, I saw people being like, you know, Chase has got to get out of the UFC, he's got to go back to the, re- I'm like, dude, like. He's gonna fuck he up with the regional fight. scene. He lost one fight to a guy, Steve Garcia, who's like, he's a good veteran. He's one of the, he's one of the UFC. He's won by knockout in the UFC. Like he's four Bellator guy. He came off the contender, like he, he won the contender series. He's a good veteran. And he comes out of Jackson. He he caught Chase early. That happens. Like that's fighting, dude. Like it doesn't mean Chase has to go back to the regionals. It doesn't mean he's not good in the UFC. Like. He's three and three. He just beat Felipe Corrales by knockout back in May. And Felipe Corrales is a good dude. And Chase looked good on the feet in that one. It just happened that Steve Garcia is an early starter who comes out firing early. Most of his wins come by early finish. So that's what happened here. Like, that's fighting, dude. Like, I don't know what people expected. But, yeah, I mean, Chase, who will be back? I'm not worried about him. And, uh... He'll be okay. Like yeah. he'll be all right, guys. Really I think English. I think Chase just wasn't ready to weather the storm that quick. No, and that was always the question of this fight. Like if you know anything about Steve Garcia, you've seen him fight in the past. He's a guy who comes out and he swings and bangs, and most of his wins come by finish, and most of them come by early finish in rounds one or two. So, um, yeah, I was not shocked at all that he lost. So, I mean, he'll be back, man. Like it's really not obviously it's not a great position to be in, but sometimes you get caught and Chase Hoover got caught. Does not mean he's a bad fighter, does not mean he's not meant for the UC, yada yada yada. But that's what I saw a lot of takes last Saturday, so uh regardless. Uh any other thoughts on the rest of this card before we move on? Uh nothing specific, man. I felt like that was the main topic coming out of that and it was just because of <laughs> that whole situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Overall though, it was a solid card, man. It's a pretty fun card. Not a lot of people were talking talking about it going into it. And obviously the main event was kind of a bit of a downer, but overall still a fun night of fights. I mean, um, Josh, we did go yeah. from, you know, we went from, you know, Arnold Allen Cavicator to Edson Barbosa, which are drastically different matchups, you know. And obviously the way it ended up panning out, too, which is rough. Yeah, true, true. That's the way it goes, though. Um, time to move on to this weekend's events, which is... It's it's not going to break ratings on ESPN, but overall, I like this card, man. I like a lot of the names on this. Uh, the main event, which was actually in danger up until this morning, uh, Marina, Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Limos. Uh, the women's strawweights getting a main event. You gotta hope that Marina Rodriguez, if she wins here, she'll finally get a title shot. But Amanda Limos, this is a good this is a good fight for her, man. She's right back in a position where she can fight for a title shot. Obviously, she lost earlier um, this year to Jessica Andrade in a in a fight where you kind of wondered if she won, she she might get a title shot. And now she's in a position here again where if she wins, she's right back in it. She uh, really benefited from um, 
obviously Bryce Mitchell and Mozart Ilovev. There's the headlines event that fell out. Now this fight has a bigger shine on it. Um, what do you think about this fight, man? And who do you who do you pick it? I mean, it's a great matchup, right? I mean, Marina Rodriguez. We've been talking about her in the title, you know, picture for a minute now. It seems like <laughs> uh, taking yeah. on Amanda Lima's former title challenger and uh, matchup itself. I think it's a fun one. I think five rounds benefits Marina incredibly well. I mean, she has a style for five rounds. Amanda, at times, we've seen her kind of blow her water early and kind of slow down a little bit. But I wonder if she's going to be a little bit more measured, kind of be conscious about that, and that she's learned a little bit now from being around a little bit uh, and getting ready to fight five rounds uh, previously. Or not, wait, did she fight for I thought she did fight for title. I guess I was mistaken. She did not fight for the title, no. No, who, who am I confusing her for? Someone else. Uh, Talia Santos, maybe? Nah, I don't know. For some reason, I thought she was going to fight her, or she was about to fight for the title at some point. I if, think she she beat on, if she beat Andrade, she probably would have fought for the title. That'd make that, me weird. That's, I think that's maybe what I was thinking. Because I think cause Andrade ended up fighting for the title after that, right? Um, No. Andrade had just fought for the title when she fought Limos. But the thought process was as if, if uh, Limos beat Andrade, she was going to get a title shot. Mm-hmm. By uh, the way, I just I just looked at her right now. God damn, I didn't realize how active Andrade had been. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> super active. Well, she's fighting uh, Lauren Murphy in uh, January too, I think. Yeah, no, I just saw that. Holy Which shit. is a banger, by the way. Yes. Very excited for that fight. But, but yeah, to kind of reel it back in, I, like I said, I, th- I feel like five rounds versus Marina really well. I heard someone say that Marina, in a way, very different sense of the spirit, uh, spiritual embodiment of Joanna Jancic. Obviously, not the Muay Thai background. Mm-hmm. But different. I mean, she can fight at range very well and effectively. Uh, and with Amanda, I mean, she's she's got some solid power. She gets in there, she can get a finish, man. I think it could go either way. I'm I'm a rock uh, Marina. I think the five rounds benefits her very well. I think she could fight a very safe fight and, and avoid the big shots and maybe take Amanda to deep waters and maybe get tire her out a little bit and potentially maybe some late finish, but I doubt it. Mm. Yeah, that's where I'm at too, dude. I think that this fight being five rounds, honestly, if it were three rounds, I'd probably pick Amanda Limush, but it is five. Yep. And Marina, ha- Marina Rodriguez has five round experience, and like, I expect her to deal with some problems early. But I think Marina Rodriguez, I, I, I've become like a big fan of her over like her current win streak, not because she's winning fights, but because she knows like, let's be honest, she deserved a title shot a while ago. But guess what? She's not complaining. She's not saying anything. She's like, all right, I'm going to beat every single woman until I get my fucking title shot. Like, that's just, that's her approach, and I respect that, dude. I mean, we'll talk about Benil Daryush soon uh, in the news section. He's doing the same thing. He's like, you know what? I'll fight whoever I need to. I'm going to be a champion. It doesn't matter what time I get there. I'm winning that belt, and that thing's going to be mine, and I'll be whoever I need to to get it. It doesn't matter how many people. Marina Rodriguez is doing the same thing. I think she gets the win here. I think she will fight the winner of uh, Carlos Barza versus Wei Li Shang, which is going down next week, uh, right? Like, that's when that fight's uh, next week on 281? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sweet. Holy shit, I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah, so they're perfect, perfect timing for Marina Rodriguez to go out here and get a big win. If Amanda Limos wins, I guess they'll give her a title shot, but, like, I mean, there's kind of nobody else left around, I believe. Like, I thought, it's kind of just Marina Rodriguez who's just been waiting for, like, ever. Like, I don't think there's any other big contenders of women's 115 right now. She'd be very um, clear if she won. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess they would give it to Limosh, but I don't know. I mean, but Jessica Andrade's, like, right there in the rankings, too, but she's fighting 
Laura Murphy up. Yeah, so. she so she's doing she's doing the one twenty five thing. I mean Yan Jonan's there, but like she had a losing streak before and then that Mackenzie Dern fight was controversial, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Um yeah, I guess regardless, they're probably hoping Marina Hodges wins here, now that I'm thinking about it. Um they've never they've not wanted to give her a title shot, but if she doesn't win, they have nobody else to give the title shot to. So you gotta you gotta hope for Marina Hodges to win if you're the UFC. Um yeah, and I do think she will get the win. But the, uh, this fight actually nearly fell out. Got a, an important thing to watch. Another thing to watch uh, for Amanda Limos. She's just now uh, leaving Brazil. I think she may even be leaving later tonight. Um, because the Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, who, funnily enough, is supported by like pretty much all Brazilian MMA fighters. Like every single one. I think Verna Janajaroba is the only one who did not who did not support him. What's going uh, on down there? I, I didn't I didn't get the whole picture if you could explain. Okay, so essentially and I don't care like no I don't care who this upsets because like if you, you get upset about this, like come on dude, like come on. Uh yeah, your boss was essentially like their their uh president of Brazil and he was up for re election and he's essentially like he's like Trump on steroids, to give a comparison. Yeah. He's like he's like, yeah, like I am homophobic. If I had a gay son I'd probably try and kill him. Like Holy essentially fuck. Yeah, he's like, I am, I am a sexist. Like, he's like, he'll come out and say it. He's like, women should get paid less than the men. Like, I Dude, do not is, care. Is, is this Sean Strickland? <laughs> he's essentially, he's essentially Sean Strickland. Yeah, he's a former, like, military guy. And then he's talked about, like, yeah, like, I support a dictatorship. If we just didn't have elections anymore, I support that. So whenever he lost, there was uh, talk that he will not, tr- he'll essentially try and do what, you know, Trump did and not concede and say that it was rigged or whatever. Um, I still don't think he's made an announcement if he will concede or not. So right now there's been riots in Brazil because his people are, um, his supporters are rioting and the police, which are on Bolsonaro's side have been like brutal. Yeah. They've been brutal. So yeah, that's why she's been unable to leave the country, uh, until now, I think. Uh, and there's been a couple of other fighters, um, on the card as well who struggle with that problem. I wonder how um, this will affect the Brazil card, man. I mean, I know we're kind of far yeah. from that, but I mean, well, I think by January this will probably be figured out. If but that is, if Yair Bolsonaro actually concedes and it does not try to do the the oh my god, I didn't win, it must be rigged, you know, doing like the the dictator playbook, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see, yeah, no, no way to tell. But anyways, um, the co-main event, which like I said, became the main event, is an excellent fight. Neil Magny taking on Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez. D-Rod's just coming off of that fight in uh, September where he beat Lee Jingling very controversially, riding a 4-5 winning streak, and he's taking on Neil Magny. I know that both these guys have called for this fight in the past. Um, very, very good fight, man. I, I think this is very, very big. Neil Magny trying to get back on the right track after he lost the shot got. Rodriguez trying to break into the top 10. What do you think about this one? I mean, look, this is, this this fight has a lot riding for both these guys. I mean, Neil, long time guy in the rankings, been holding it down for a while now. D. Rod, same age as him or a little older, might be. I know they're similar in age, but just now getting into the rankings now and into UFC not very long ago. I mean, he needs to stack these wins, you know, to the extent as fast as possible. Because, I mean, he has a very short clock. On time, you know what I mean. Doesn't have a lot of time running. He's had some injuries too, which we know in the hands. You know, fight. You can't be a fighter without no hands, you know. So uh there's a lot of stuff there, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, matchup wise, I mean, great. I'm curious to see what Neil does. I mean, he always, you know, he's he's a great competitor. We know that. And tough, tough out, you know, tough fight last time out. I mean, against against a kill. I mean, the guys finished everybody he fought, and he finished him. So yeah, it was, and he knew that very well going into that. And and I'm curious to see how, how he's able to deal with D Rod. You know, is he gonna try to like press him against the fence, slow him down, you know, put some pressure on him, fight at distance? And D Rod, you know, uh how's he gonna deal with uh Neil Magny and Neil Magny having a great gas tank and maybe you know, constantly being on him, maybe trying to slow him down or moving constantly and not getting touched. Because, you know, we know D Rod has some power men and, and I'm curious to see if he's able to open up Neil Magny and get through with some big shots and get to victory. In that capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this fight is very, very interesting in terms of, like, I wonder what Neil Magny's approach is going to this one. Because we really haven't seen, we saw D-Rod wrestling tested a bit by Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee at that point in his career just gassed out after five minutes of doing anything, so we didn't really get to see him tested too much. Well, the gas is not going to be an issue in this fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I mean, Neil Magny is... Always there and always moving forward. So I'm not worried about that. Um, I am going to go ahead and take Neil Magny. I can easily see D-Rod pulling this one off, but I think the quick turnaround, the fact that he is old and the fact that he's dealing with injuries and we haven't really seen his grappling tested too much, I think Neil Magny is going to test that grappling on Saturday. I think he's going to get the win. Uh, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, it is a pretty solid card. Um, Chase Sherman's back. He's coming off of that awesome knockout win over Jade Vanderaa. Taking on Josh Parisian um, on the main card. Interesting placement for that one. Uh, Grant Dawson, Mark Madsen should be a banger. Um, Random Maverick, one of my top prospects in the UC, taking on Shannon Young. Very exciting uh, fight there. What is the fight you're personally most looking forward to? Did, did you mention uh, Mark Madsen versus Grant Dawson? I did. Okay, I, I, I mean, I, I, you kind of blended it all in, so kind of like, I, I guess, over my head. No, I mean, this is an interesting one for me, dude, because Grant Dawson, for being 18 and 1, right? And look, I got to give credit to his opponents, right? Last, that Leonardo, Leonardo Santos fight kind of worried me, because I'm like, I feel like if you're at this level, if he's this, you know, right there, should be damn near ranked, if not ranked by now. I don't know if guys like Leonardo Santos should be giving you trouble, but granted, though, since then, Leonardo. Has lost to Clay Guida, Jerry Gordon. But before that, he had beaten guys like Stevie Ray, Adriano Martins, Kevin Lee, and Eddie Rocco Martin. And, you know, le- leading up to that Grant Dawson fight, which Grant literally won last second. Cause, let's be honest, that that old man was beating the shit out of Grant Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how he deals with the wrestling of Marco Manson. I'm curious to see if Marco Manson shows another layer, gives some trouble. Because I've said it, man, the Olympian – he, he kind of came a little late, you know what I mean? He's 38, you know, he's not been as active as I feel like a guy who, at this point, in, you know, who's made TFC and has his skill set should be, you know? Because, I mean, his clock is limited. I mean, he's, he, he's just turned 38. He's only going to be older next year. He'll be 39. He's not ranked. I mean, and he... Hasn't like overly impressed me. I mean, he obviously the wrestling's good. The, you know, the strike is kind of eh. You know, no hate, but I don't know. And it's and I think it's a tough fight for Grant. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is incredibly hard matchmaking here. But if he gets this win, though, I got to give credit to Grant Dawson. This is a fucking amazing athlete you're going up against. And if mm-hmm. he's able to neutralize the wrestling, not get control on the round, and I'm sure 
you know, James Cross is going to come in with an amazing fucking game plan. It's just going to be whether or not Grant could execute it and not have trouble. Because I want to see Grant not have these kind of like, okay, you're doing good, you're getting the wins, but I'm like, but are you top 15? Yeah. Yeah, I think that fight's very, very interesting. I think they put it in a really good spot opening up the main card. Because that's probably, like, my probably, like, most anticipated fight in the card, to be completely honest with you. Both these guys are very, very good. They're both trying to break into the top 15. Grant Dawson has a lot of potential, man. I mean, I think he's, he's t- only 28 years old, 18-1-1, coming off that big win over Jared Gordon. Mark Madsen's going to test him, man. Um, but Mark Madsen's also 38. So, I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting fight, and I think they put it in a great place. Uh, also, in the undercard, really Really good fight. Derek Minner versus, I can't even pronounce this poor kid's name. Andrew, you want to take a crack on that? Let me see. Where is it at? Was Derek Minner singing on Shylin Nuradonbike? Nuradonbike. I think that's about as good as we're going to get. I mean, that wasn't bad. Yeah, these guys are going to kill each other, man. This is this fight is a banger, dude. Like, low-key. Banger on the card. Uh, Derek Minner always comes to scrap. This kid is only, folks, he's only 28 years old. He's had 48 fights. He's 38 and 10. So, yeah, this kid's a savage. Uh, very excited to see him fight. Um, like that's going to be one of the most entertaining fights on the card, in my opinion. Um, rest of the card, like, there's not, I mean, I mentioned Pollyanna Viana earlier. She's been taking on Jin Yu Fry. Uh, that should be a fun fight. Mario Batista Benito Lopez should be fun. Jake Hadley is back. We'll see what he can do. Can he make um, weight? Can he make That's a big question. I mean, I uh, think he will. I think he will. He should, probably, right? Probably. Probably. I mean, didn't he make weight for his last fight and then lose? Uh, I thought he didn't make weight for... Oh, no, it was on the oh, Contender wait. Series. It was on the Contender yeah, Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. He, he made, did not make weight in the Contender Series. He got the contract and then lost to Alan Nascimento. Yep. So... Yeah, we'll see. Um, overall, solid card. Um, not anything crazy, but should be a fun night of fights. Um, are you ready to move into the news, my man? I am. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. All right. So, as a part of Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva, they had the boys, the normal Showtime team of, you know, they had uh, Mauro Ronaldo, Al Bernstein, Aero Holani was doing commentary as well. Another part of the broadcast with George Rush St. Pierre. Shout out GSP. Shout out GSP. Uh, look, man, GSP's not a dumb guy. If he was there, he was there for a reason. During a, a, a scrum with the media, I believe either prior to the prior to the weigh-ins, uh, yeah, or it might have been after the weigh-ins. Regardless, he revealed a couple of things. He revealed that he's out of his UFC contract. Um, we know that last year he tried to fight Oscar De La Hoya in an exhibition. And once again, he said that, hey, I would love to do an exhibition, maybe in a pro contest depending on who the opponent is, and I'd like to do some jiu-jitsu competitions. He'd like to do this and that. Nothing too crazy. He's not pursuing championships. But on his combat sports career, he's probably he said he admitted, I'm probably not done, you know. He's probably going to compete in something. What do you think about that, man? Who do you, what, do you, what do you think about him, A, attending the fight and being a part of the broadcast, and then also, obviously, him kind of stating, like, yeah, like, I'm going to do something. Don't know what I'll do, but I'll do something. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a lifetime martial artist, man. He loves this shit. I yeah. mean, he truly is like a – he embodies the word martial arts, to put it quite simply. And I'm sure he's wanted to compete for a while and do some jiu-jitsu competition or one-off things or maybe karate combat, you know, because he obviously he's part of that. Maybe do something with that and have some mm. fun. 
Because I mean that was a that was his first uh, thing karate, if I believe so. When he was younger, did that because he got bullied, and I'm sure he's very passionate about that. And him coming out and in, in his outfit all the time, his uh, what was it called? It's not a gi. It's a what's it called? Not a commode either, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, stuff like that. I mean, he's super passionate about that stuff, and I think that it's it's very sad that we he didn't get those opportunities and he was prevented from them. And now he could be doing stuff a little older, but he, you know he's fun. He's and he's good about it. I'm sure he'll always come out and impress us and give us a good show, no matter what he does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think GSP would fit in nicely. This little exhibition boxing thing, this kind of weird crossover thing that they've been doing, you know. Um, I think he'd fit in nicely to it, man. And I think, let's be honest here, the real fight is him versus Anderson Silva. In karate combat, dude. I want that. No, in boxing. I would love to see him in karate combat, dude. I would love to see him in karate combat. I don't think karate combat can afford GSP. I mean, but GSP's been out there, you know, and they've done things. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they they could figure something out. Maybe, but I wouldn't count on it, but... I, I think we'll see GSP in some capacity. You know, one I championship, think, Josh. Come on. In one champion? No. Yeah. All right. Shotry. All right. Them and their eight billion viewers, dude. But, yeah. Uh, eight, eight billion. Holy fuck, dude. It just yeah. did, did a billion just appear out of nowhere? Apparently. That's how many people. A billion people. That's how many people love here. one championship. If me. you disagree, I will sue you, Angel. Okay. I will sue you if if you try and doubt yeah. my bullshit numbers. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, GSP will be back. It'll be fun to see. I, I'd like to see him in an exhibition or even just a jiu-jitsu competition. Um, but speaking of guys who are out of the UFC, a guy that wants to be out of the UFC allegedly is Piotr Jan. Obviously, he lost to Sean O'Malley. Lost in quotations, depending on who you are. Um, at UFC 280 last month. Um, and he is... He's never come out and said anything publicly, publicly, but he said "fuck the judges" in an Instagram post, and I believe he tagged the UFC as well. Um, Daniel Cormier, who works for the UFC commentator, obviously got his hand all over the fight game as a trainer and so on and so forth. Um, he said that he's heard that Piotr Jan may want to leave the UFC because it feels like the organization does not have his back. Um, obviously, the UFC's done trades before. They traded uh, Demetrius Johnson to one championship in exchange for Ben Askren. That worked out pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, um, one championship. Yeah, right. Uh, Arjan Bular on Twitter said that, hey, he's the one heavyweight champion. He'd love to be traded for Piotr Jan. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts about that specific trade proposal? But what are also your thoughts about um, Piotr Jan attempting to possibly exit the UFC? After his loss to Sean O'Malley, and obviously prior to that, the split decision loss to Aljo. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he will. I mean, I think this is just talk. You know what I mean? More than anything. Just words. No no true actions will come from it, I believe. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe something could actually occur, and there is a trade, and he ends yeah. up going to Bellator or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, We'll see. I mean, I think... Or PFL, I mean, who knows? Maybe they do a trade with PFL. Kayla Harrison? Question mark? No, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that at this point, <laughs> I don't think Peter Allen's going to go anywhere, but, I mean, weird things have happened. I would have never expected Demetrius Johnson to leave the UFC after losing to Sudo. I remember that we, everybody thought, like, oh, yeah, obvious trilogy coming next. And then one day we just saw the news. Oh, yeah, never mind. Like, it's going to one championship. So weirder things have happened, but... 
I don't see anybody the the, the one uh, the previous one UFC trade worked so well because people knew Ben Askren because not only was he like a former champion in one, he's a former champion at Bellator. He had back and forth with Dana White over social media, like so UFC fans knew who he was. Joe Rogan hyped him up all the time. That's not the case with anybody else under the one championship roster. So I don't think this one will happen, but. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Maybe it'll Beltor comes in. Yeah, I could you imagine? Right. No, that's, that's a joke. I, I feel like Dana Ryder shooting himself to ever do a trade with Bellator. Yeah, I think I think Dana has, and I wonder if it's because Scott Coker used to work for Strike Force and he just still has holds like a grudge. But yeah, he he does he refuses to acknowledge Beltor. He's acknowledged one in the past. You know, they obviously did the trade and. You know, even whenever, you know, they've acknowledged PFL, like, they, they've just never acknowledged it also exists, which is kind of funny, uh, considering how many times they, they, they have, I mean, it's the number. It's the I number mean, the, the only time they ever did it was for Chandler when they announced him, I think, in his title fight where they said he was a former Bellator champ. Yeah, I think that's it. So. Which was even a surprise to the people. I mean, I, I, people were surprised that they did that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, We'll see what happens, man. We will see what happens. Uh, time to move on. We mentioned this guy earlier, Benny Daryush. Um, obviously he was gonna get, he was gonna be the backup fighter for UFC 280. And then he wasn't. And he was gonna get a woman with a title shot until he wasn't. And I feel like Benny Daryush is, he's been perennially just not, he's just been perennially kinda, kinda slept on, you know? Um, in terms of his win streak not really being valued by the UFC. Well, he said that he doesn't really care about that, honestly. He gave an interview recently with Morning Combat where he pretty much said, like, look, dude, I've been out of action for a while now. I'm going to fight and beat every single person I need to beat in order to make that happen. That includes Chandler, Poirier, Oliveira, Fazeev. Out of all those options, who do you who would you like to see Benil Daryush fight next? I feel like timeline-wise, I feel like uh... – Dustin uh, Chandler works out pretty well sometime next year. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I know that Dustin and Chandler both said that uh, they would actually like title shots if they can, you know, get a win over the other one. I mean, why wouldn't uh, they, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Islam's already said no chance. So it's interesting to see that Islam's pretty much, you know, trying to – he's trying to make people work for a title uh, shot, which you know, is pretty I ironic. About that. Fiziev has been uh, not mentioned in any sort of conversation as far as matchmaking. Correct, which is weird. Um, I feel like Fazeev, Daryush would make sense, honestly. But I, I, I mean, or they could do winner of Dustin Gate, uh, winner of Dustin Chandler fights Fazeev. I think they got to make. I honestly think they should should make Gaethje versus Fazeev, and I think it's weird that they haven't. I'm, I mean, true, but I think Justin had a nose surgery. That's true, but I feel like that fight makes the most sense. But. Who knows? I mean, that's a banger, though. I mean, it put Fiziev at, at three if he wins. Gaethje goes down. Maybe, I mean, it depends if Chandler loses or Dustin wins, and he would maybe at worst go down to fourth or end up in fifth. Because mm-hmm. Fiziev would be moving up, Chandler lost, and Chandler would go down. So, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario for them, but there's a lot of movement at 155. I mean, you got to think about it. There's guys like Drew Dober who are now ranked again at number 15. Tony Ferguson, who's 14, almost has out of the rankings. Dylan Hooker at 12 somehow. Uh, no hate to Dan Hooker, but it's been a little rough lately. Uh, Demir at 11, who needs some matchmaking to happen. Jalen Turner, who's in the rankings now, who's a name who gets no love now at 155. Zero. 
And then uh, RDA who still ranks somehow in lightweight, but I'm sure they'll they'll try to push him out eventually. Yeah, sooner rather than later, I'd assume. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think I think lightweight's in a weird in a weird position right now. If I were to go ahead and just on the subject of Benil Daryush specifically, I would see uh, Benny versus Charlie Olives. I honestly would. Um, I'm down. I think that'd be a really entertaining fight matchup wise. It probably makes them like timing wise. Excuse me, that makes the most sense considering they both fought in UFC 280. Um, so I think matchup, like time wise and matchup wise, that makes the most sense. I think it'd be the most interesting fight. Um, and I gotta give props to you. Like I mentioned earlier with my Reno Rodriguez, I like this sort of thing. I think whenever the UFC does not get title shots to people that deserve them, they have two routes to go. They can either wait for a round, wait around, or try and get an opportune, um, matchup for them. Like, for example, like, Gaethje, for some reason, last year really, really wanted a title shot. He thought he deserved to be in the vacant title fight, which had Charlie Olives and Michael Chandler. And he got really pissed off when he didn't, and he was talking about waiting out for a title shot until Chandler became available, and then he fought him and got his title shot because, you know, that was, that was a good matchup for him. Instead, you have guys like Benil Darush on the other end where he's like, I'm going to fuck up everyone. Like, he's like, I'm going to do whatever. Obviously, Benil does not talk like that. Uh, he pro- he would have gotten a title shot by now if he did. But, um, yeah, he's just willing to do whatever it takes, and I like that sort of thing. So we'll see what happens with him next. Uh, but got to respect the fact that he is just – He's a dog, man. He's a dog, dude. you got to respect that. But – uh, time to move on. Bantamweight title picture. Now, this is not really a news section. We're just kind of going to talk a little bit about some of the, some of the recent events because Al Jermaine Sterling just defended his title, and he did it really without breaking a sweat, got the TKO win, and then uh, post and on the same card, obviously, Sean O'Malley defeated Peter Yan. Easy matchmaking. Those guys fought on the same card. They said it was going to be a title eliminator going in. Instead, Dana said, we're going to make Cejudo fight Sterling. Dana has not seemed to like any talk of Cejudo even coming back until now. Um, and then they there quickly were reports that the fight was going to happen on the undercard of Islam versus uh, Volkanovski in February. And considering Cejudo has been doing nothing but sitting out, Sterling didn't break a sweat. That seemed to make sense. Sterling said he won't be back until mid-2023 and that he's a champion and he can take the time off if he wants and that he deserves it. Um and then Cejudo said that instead he'll he'll he's willing to fight Sean O'Malley for an interim title uh, if Sterling's really gonna go ahead and take all that time off. Angel, what do you think about all the moving and the shaking going on in the bantamweight division, and how would you solve this problem if Sterling truly wants to sit out and Cejudo's out there in the wings, and obviously Sean O'Malley just got a huge win, but nobody's talking about him talking about him anymore. What do you think? I feel like this could be no, this could be a negotiation thing with the UFC. You would think so. I think it could be. I think some stuff could have gone down between them. Yeah, I mean that that would make sense. But in terms of, and on top how, of how that, would you solve this? How would you solve this problem? Well, look, I'm sure they probably came to look. What I think might have happened was I'm sure they came with him to see who to fight. They're like, this is when we want to do it. This is how much money we want to pay. And he was probably like, ah, fuck that. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. We could well, always sit out for a bit and wait it out. And on top of that, Cejudo just reentered the testing pool. Like he finally got cleared. He did his six months or whatever. I feel like uh, they probably wanted to get it going pretty quick. Probably didn't go the way they wanted to. Obviously, and Aljamain is – I'm thinking what's probably going to happen is this uh, the next fight, if he does fight Cejudo, this could probably be his last fight at this weight class, and then he'll move up to 145, opening the door up for his teammate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's possible as well. Um, 
Right now, I feel like the UFC, and I think Aljo made a really interesting point, and I kind of agree with it. He pretty much said, like, it seems like Dana and the UFC really don't want me to be champion. Like, he's like, you know what? Like, they had me go and fight TJ, who really didn't deserve a title shot, but on paper was supposed to be a bad matchup for me. They hated Cejudo, did not want to have anything to do with him until I beat Dillashaw, and now they're going to give him the title shot, despite the fact that Sean O'Malley versus Peterian winner was supposed to get it. Seems like they really don't want me to be champion. And I agree with that. I feel like that's part of what this is, him going like, fuck you. I'm going to go and take my time off. Uh, you guys pretty clearly don't want to be champion, so I'm going to go and sit out for a bit, take my time off. I'm champion. Edge knocked out. Well, not I didn't knock him out, but, you know, TKO, former champion, one of the greatest of all time. I'm going to take my time. I feel like the UC hates Aljamain Sterling enough to make an interim title. I really do think so. I feel like they they did that and got for Ngannou, and Ngannou wanted to fight um, – he was supposed to fight. He was supposed to fight Derek Lewis. Remember that? Uh, they're supposed to rematch. And uh, it so was down for that. So right? sad that never happened. They he uh, Ngannou said, "I'll be back September 2021, and I'm willing to fight then." And UFC decided to say, "Fuck you! If you're not going to fight in our timeline, we're going to make you sit out longer." So they had Lewis fighting gone in August, the month before, and Ngannou said he'd be willing to fight. I could absolutely see them making Cejudo versus Sean O'Malley. Because let's be honest, they're gonna, they're wanting to make a big impact in Australia. I think Sean would take that fight. I know they said he wants to renegotiate his deal, but dude, like, if you're if you're getting a chance at gold and a huge matchup on pay per view, and, and you're facing a guy too, like on paper, Cejudo is probably not the best matchup for O'Malley, but I feel like it's better than facing Sterling. And you're facing Cejudo who isn't fought. It'll be probably close to three years by the time. That fight ends up happening. So there, there's stuff to that Sean could look forward to. Exactly. Things, so you know. you know, I don't know what the UFC is going to do, but if I were the UFC, I just throw money at Aljo and have him fight Cejudo. But I know that they don't normally do that sort of thing. So yeah, I feel like I feel like this could be a, a pretty easy problem to solve if the UFC were willing to go ahead and it's play totally, ball. It's totally money. It's totally money. Yeah. Totally money. I mean, because I mean, because they want to fight Cejudo, I'm sure he was like, okay, you guys want to fight Cejudo? This is um, this, this is what I want to make. Yeah, okay? exactly. And it, and it probably didn't line up. Yeah, exactly. Because let's I be mean, honest, that was going to be a fast turnaround. I mean, yeah, to go from October to February, that's a pretty quick turnaround. So that's a you know. And they would have to make weight again, which he's already talked about it being tough. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a bit of a quick turnaround, and even. You know, the idea of having Cejudo go ahead and having his big comeback be set up that quickly just did not seem very feasible as well. It's, it's almost TJ uh, Tillishaw, TJ Dillashaw esque, you know, in a way, kind of different. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, man, I feel like this is a problem that could easily be fixed by the UFC if they just gave Aljamain Sterling money, but they don't. They hate doing that. So my prediction is that in March we're going to see O'Malley versus Cejudo for an interim title. That is my prediction. And the reason why I'm saying March is because, got to remember, um, I believe they are doing January Brazil, Brazil, February Australia, March U.S. pay-per-view. And that's the one where they're targeting John Jones' return. Oh, wow. Yeah, but here's the issue. March 4th, I hope I see it in Vegas. Here's the issue. We've been talking about a John Jones return for three years now. <laughs> so I'm not going to – I'm not – I mean, 
I'm not expecting it to happen. Even if it does happen, they're still going to want to put a big co-main event on look, that to intrigue people. Look, at the end of the day, Josh, we can't even blame John because apparently it's not been on John. Exactly. I don't blame John. I'm just saying, like, for, for whatever circumstance, all of the heavyweight division, Stipe and Ganu and Jones all have stuff going on. So I don't think it will happen. But, hey, even if it does happen, like I said, they're going to want to put a, a big co-main event on there. And, dude, if you're having John Jones return – Who's a perfect guy to put in that co-main event spot and get a lot of fucking eyeballs on him? And Sean O'Malley. Yeah. So. Sugar show, baby. Yeah, that's why I think that if Aljo is serious and they don't figure out that thing, we're going to see an interim title made probably by the end of the month for March. That's how do, how my do, prediction. How do you, you don't, you don't fuck with Cheeto and Sean O'Malley rematch? I mean, look. For me, it just kind of defeats the purpose. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of if you're going to, if you're going to say something, then do it. They said that Sean O'Malley would get the title shot if he beat Piotr Young. You're, you're a man of principle. I'm an, I am a man of principle. I hate when the UFC does this shit. They spent the entire build-up saying, these guys, winner of this gets a title shot. And then it's, oh, wait a minute. I don't like who the champion is. Let me go ahead and find a terrible matchup for him. And then fuck over Sean. Like, no, like, Sean O'Malley went out there. He did his job. Give him a title shot. Even if you don't like the result, you honor the fact that you said it was a title, a title eliminator going in. I know they say that shit all the time, and then they don't enforce it. I thought for Sean O'Malley, it'd be a guy they enforce it with because he's such a big star, and they have a chance to shoot him into superstardom, and they're choosing not to do it. So I don't, I don't know. Like I, I like the idea of a Marlon Vera versus Sean O'Malley rematch. That'll happen, but it does not need to happen next. Is where I'm at. True, true. <laughs> you're very, you're very intelligent, Josh. You're so right. You're goddamn right. I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> How could I be such a fucking moron? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, but any other thoughts on this or any other thoughts on anything in the MMA and boxing world before we close out? No, I mean, I feel like we touched up particularly on that topic very well. I mean, that's probably – it was very weird. I saw that I saw that video on Twitter just come out, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, Aljamain, this is weird. But, it, uh, like, yeah. but not talking about it and, and getting into it, it really, I really do think it's it's a money thing for sure. What is it not about money? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh Bandwidth's in an interesting place right now, but um And let me yeah. tell you, would you really be surprised in a, if a few weeks we see Saudo and Aljamain get announced that they have no, come to Not at all. I mean the thing is it all depends on how do you see if they're going to play ball. <clears throat> I think they're not going to, just by virtue of the fact that you see like they don't seem to like Aljamain already. You know, so I I expected to not want to play ball, so that's that's just where I'm making that prediction. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, man, um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I am at Josh Ivanoff on Twitter. He's at Undertaker underscore one at Cortex Sound for all things related to the show. Once again, incredible sponsor of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Go ahead and use code Sound Off on both those websites to get ten percent off. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.